You're listening to the Call Kent podcast, where Kent C. Dodds answers questions and gives insights to software engineers like you. Now, let's hear the call. Hi, Kent. This is Ben. First off, great meeting you at React Rally. Stoked I finally got to go to that event. And I have a question about organizing a workshop. So I was approached recently to give a workshop at a conference I really care about, a full day event, and I don't even know what to expect. I haven't even attended a workshop at a conference, let alone given one. So first off, I'm wondering what compensation should I expect or ask for? I'm also wondering, you know, what is the structure for one of these events? What needs to be organized up front in order for it to be successful? Any questions that I can bring to the organizers so that I know it will, you know, be good for me and also good for them. Definitely want to know those up front. Second thing I'm wondering is the time commitment in order to organize a workshop curriculum, because I only have a frame of reference for like a 30 minute conference talk. I don't know what to fully expect here. So how do you plan it to not go on too long or not have enough content if that's even possible? And also just generally how much effort goes into it even when you have a backlog of blog posts or YouTube videos to pull from. All right, curious to hear from the workshop master, what do you think? And that was the call. Here's what Kent had to say. Hey, Ben, I'm thrilled that you're asking and super excited for you that uh, you were invited to present this workshop. That is awesome. Uh, it's a really exciting uh, new thing that uh, hopefully if you enjoy it uh, is the beginning of many workshops to come. So um, and yes, also a pleasure to meet you in person. I hope we get to meet each other soon again. Um, so yeah, congratulations on this. And let's talk about some of the questions that you had. So uh, first you asked about compensation. Um, so uh, every workshop that I've done uh, with, with conferences has been a little bit different. Um, but most of the time, the workshops, um, I, I, I typically have the organizers uh, choose the, the price of the workshop. Uh, normally, uh, uh, keeping in mind that uh, a, a couple of things, um, they have a better feel for what is reasonable for their part of the world. Um, like here in the United States, I'm uh, perfectly fine um, with a five or six hundred dollar workshop for a full day. Um, but uh, in uh, other parts of the world, that's just like not reasonable at all. Um, and so it's just easier to say, uh, you know your community better, you choose uh, what we're pricing the workshop as. Um, I have had one, uh, there was one time where uh, they priced it and I didn't, um, I, I didn't think about the, uh, or, or ask them how much it was going to be. And then the, I later found out that they charged like $20 a ticket for the workshop, which um, ended up being a problem for me um, with uh, justifying the trip and all of that. So uh, you do want to at least know <laughs> how much it was, uh, how much it was charged. So um, it, it ended up being fine and they made, uh, made it right by me and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I won't, I won't mention who it was. Uh, they are awesome. And it was actually really cool that there were, uh, it was so accessible to people. So, um, anyway, you just want to keep that in mind for a full day workshop. Um, I think it's perfectly, 
uh, reasonable to expect, a, at least in the United States, a ticket of like 300 to $600, somewhere in that range, depending on uh, various um, things. So uh, in Europe, uh, I typically uh, have workshops around like $300 or so. Uh, okay, so as far as your compensation, though, um, normally uh, I workshop or uh, conference organizers are most comfortable with uh, doing a split um, of like post uh, expenses uh, because they're hoping to not lose money uh, at least on the workshop and potentially even have the workshop help them with the, the conference expenses and everything as well. Um, and so sometimes conference organizers will say, um, oh yeah, we, we don't really need to earn any money here. You're, we're just doing this to uh, draw more people to the event. And so uh, post expenses, you get everything uh, after that. Um, that's, I, of course I like that a lot. That's, that works out really nicely for me, but that doesn't always, uh, work out for what the goals of the organizers are. Um, and so uh, typically we'll do a split of, uh, 60, 40 post, uh, expenses, um, where I get 60. Um, and then other times it'll be a 50, 50. I, I don't think I've ever done less than 50, 50 split, um, on my end. So, that's some thoughts on compensation there um, for the uh, and another thing that's related to that is I typically will cancel the workshop if there are fewer than like seven people. Um, I that's that is not a lot of people. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it that's it's fine. Um, I, I definitely have canceled workshops in the past. In, in fact, there's a conference uh, happening, uh, I think right now, actually, in Switzerland that I was going to be uh, attending. Uh, but had to cancel because we didn't sell any uh, tickets to the workshop. And that ended up being um, probably a result of uh, audience. Uh, so the the audience was all, uh, it's a front end conference uh, and I was teaching a full stack conference and or full stack workshop. And, and so the audience just didn't overlap. Uh, at least that's what I'm telling myself so I don't cry myself to sleep at night for not selling any tickets to that conference. <laughs> so um, yeah, just something to think about too is, um, like maybe talk with the organizers about um, at what point do you say go, no go on uh, the event? Uh, lots of the time, especially for this international travel, um, I, I like to, uh, I, I don't like flying economy class <laughs> when I go international because it's just, especially when you travel a lot, it is really, really difficult. And so I use the uh, funds or a lot of the funds from the workshop to pay for an upgraded ticket. And so if I can't um, sell any tickets, then I can't go to the conference at all. And so um, that that's just another uh, aspect of that because, um, yeah, I, I can't be paying to go to these conferences. So uh, just talk with the organizers about um, how many tickets need to be sold to the workshop for you to actually attend. Uh, okay, so then the I, I, one last thought on that, uh, you probably don't want to give a workshop to two or three people. So uh, there you go. So as far as the structure and questions that you should ask to the organizers, um, typically like everybody's workshop style is different. There are a couple of different uh, styles and, and front end masters. Um, I remember that that uh, is one of the first places I started to really give a bunch of workshops and kind of figure out what my style was. But some people will just be like, um, you know, try and follow along with me. And we're, I'm just going to be coding and talking this whole time for a whole day. And it's kind of like a an eight hour talk, um, a live coded talk sort of thing. 
Um, I do not feel uh, that doesn't work for me. Um, so I, I guess I should say, you want to determine what your primary objective is in giving the workshop. Are you trying to just disseminate information or are you trying to help people learn something and retain it so they, they can use it um, at, at their work? Uh, there are benefits to both of those, um, but disseminating information to me is a talk. Um, and um, and so like in, in that setting, you're just trying to uh, open them up to what's possible and then they can go uh, dig deeper themselves later um, for the things that they want to learn. And if you're going to do it that way, then you um, need to have a lot more content because you can get through it a lot faster. Um, but uh, if you're after retention, which is my primary goal uh, and objective, like it, it, I, I could teach you anything, the cure for cancer. And if you can't remember it, then it doesn't matter what I taught you. Um, and so uh, in my mind, uh, a workshop is about learning things that we can retain and we can remember and, and uh, use in our day to day. And so my focus is always on uh, exercises. And um, I put a lot of work into making the exercises self-paced so that um, I can just send people off on their uh, on the exercise. Uh, they can work on it and be successful at that. And then when enough people have finished the exercise, then I bring everybody together and I work through the exercise in front of them. And this is very intentional. It's based on a book uh, called um, Make It Stick. That is awesome. I have uh, a blog post actually about my um, how I teach. That's titled How I Teach. So I'll link to that in the this episode. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, recommend reading or listening to that book. It, it uh, changed the way that I teach a great deal um, and, and is probably the primary motivation for me deciding I want to be um, focused on retention. So in any case, um, uh, I, yeah, I prepare these exercises so that they can be taken even without an instructor. And then I uh, set the, uh, everybody loose on the, uh, the exercise and then I have them uh, come back together and we all uh, go through it together. Um, this is intentional. Uh, I, I do not teach the material before they go through the exercise. And so the exercise has to be very handholdy. But the reason that I do that is because it forces them to really think about the problem and that opens up their brain for learning uh, so that when I go through it, it's not just um, a like a fire hose of information, but it's actually contextualized because they did the exercise first. Um, so again, that lots of that comes from the, the research done for that book, Make It Stick. And so I do recommend giving that a lesson. Um, so because, uh, yeah, just depending on the way that you want to do the workshop, like the organizers typically don't have any expectations. They, they're pretty much just like, we will fill a room with people. You will stand in front with a projector and uh, your computer. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, typically you want to make sure that the organizers are scheduling, um, it, like coffee and snacks. Um, and you want to have, uh, you, you definitely want to have breaks. Remember like every hour or so you should take a, a 10 minute break or so, uh, maybe every hour and a half, a 15 minute break, something like that. Um, and you'll probably have a lunch break that organizers should, pr um, organize that. Um, and that, that should be included with the cost of the ticket. I, I have uh, had times where they say, um, yeah, take, take a lunch and we're by a, a food court or whatever. Everybody can just go get their own food and it's not included in the ticket. And that works fine too. I've also had organizers, um, that, uh, came to the workshop at lunchtime and then took us all out, uh, to eat. Um, and that, that was also fine. 
Um, my personal uh, favorite is just having uh, some catered uh, uh, meal outside, like in the hallway or something. You go and grab it and then you bring it back to your desk and you can just sit and talk. Um, but yeah, in, in those settings, it's typically like an hour break for the meal and then some more time in the afternoon. Um, so to when, when you're in a workshop setting that's in person, people are... Hmm, uh, they want to make the most of their time, right? Like lots of people flew in, they're in hotels, so they can't just spend multiple days going through this workshop. But they also uh, want to get the most out of their time. And so um, everybody is like, at the beginning of the day, they're like gung-ho, ready to spend eight hours uh, learning about this, uh, whatever it is you're going to be teaching about Astro or whatever. And um, that, so like we feel really motivated and excited, but you will find that like after lunch, uh, you've only got like one or two hours left in people before they just start keeling over and like losing all motivation to live. Um, it is inevitable. This happens every time. I do not know how to solve this problem um, because on the one hand, I don't like I want people to remember this stuff and I don't want them to feel like dead by the end of the day. Uh, but on the other, I don't want to uh, miss out on like two hours of material that um, would be really useful to them. Um so yeah, I haven't been able to solve this problem. Just, I guess, prepare yourself for that. Um, uh, that uh, like, if you start the workshops at like 9.30 in the morning, then you will end, uh, like people will start feeling like they can't go on at around 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, and if you're like most workshops, you're probably gonna wanna go to 4.30 or five. So yeah, that's just really tough. Um, but on that note, um, you're probably going to want to have um, it, like depending on how you structure the workshop, if it's just like a uh, watch me code and ask questions as we go, then you can get through a lot of different concepts, uh, probably 10, uh, 10 different like uh, overarching concepts. Um, but if you're going to be doing exercises, sorry, excuse me, if you're doing exercises, then um, you're going to be um, like, I can typically get through four, um, maybe five exercises in a day. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And, um, people almost always finish my in-person workshops, uh, feeling like they didn't have enough time to finish stuff. And I try to tell people like the, the point isn't to finish every exercise. The, the point is to, um, expose yourself to the problem enough to be able to, uh, get answer or, or like uh, understand the solution. So you um, you don't have to solve the entire thing to get the learning outcome. But yeah, people struggle with the fact that they don't always have time to finish the exercises. And that that is uh, a challenge. That's pretty common feedback that I get from my own workshops. Um, so you'll, you'll be surprised how long it takes to get through each exercise. Um, and there's just it, people ask questions and it takes them if you're going to do exercises then uh, where they are working on the ex exercise it takes them a fair bit of time um, and the way that i structure it to, to make it so it's really self-paced i actually write like full-on blog posts for every step of the exercise and so um that like they're reading those um yeah it it takes yeah it takes a long time to uh, do that kind of learning learning so uh, hopefully that gives you an idea of the, the structure of workshops that I do at least. Um, and, uh, and also that, that blog post that I mentioned that I'll, I'll link you to will probably give you a little bit more on that too. Um, 
So as far as the time commitment to prepare things, uh, considering you already have a bunch of material on uh, the subject and everything, that helps a lot. Um, there are a couple different ways to go about um, putting together a workshop material. And I, I'm going to assume that you're going to go with the exercise approach um, instead of the just watch me code approach, uh, because I, I don't use that uh, watch me code approach. And so I can't really give you much tips. So let's assume that you're going to do the exercises. Um, preparing those exercises takes a lot of time. And there are a couple ways to do it. You could just have uh, individual um, uh, tasks for every exercise. It's like completely different examples and things um, based on your blog posts and other things, other material you have. Um, that would be probably the easier way to prepare things because you already have that material. You can just use here's this example and here's that example. The drawback with that is that um, every single um, example that you present to people is a new thing that they have to contextualize and they have to like ramp up on that domain so that they can understand what it is that you're actually trying to teach them. And so um, I like to um, use the same example for everything that I'm teaching. Um, this makes it a little bit more difficult because you have to um, come up with an example that can possibly teach that, uh, teach all the things you want to. Um, but the, it comes with the benefit of people having, uh, like by the end of the day, like they really know this stuff. And so even the complicated things um, can be pretty well uh, managed and, and like understood um, by the end of the day. Um, and don't, don't be afraid to like start the exercise with, uh, having stuff already completed or like if you need to say, okay, we, we learned how to make a, you know, a form over here and, um, I want to do like file uploads now, so I can't use the login form for that. So I'm going to create the, um, the, this form, um, that is going to need a file upload. And then I, um, I'm going to make them build the file upload piece, uh, but I'm not going to make them build all the other form stuff because they already learned that. So like have, um, taking an example uh, that uh, it has some assumption of previous experience based on the previous exercises and stuff, uh, that's fine. Um, so you can sometimes jump from one example to another um, and that like is sometimes necessary. And I definitely do that. Um, but uh, yeah, try to keep things um, scoped down as much as possible because the more um, extra extra knowledge they need to have about the domain and the problem space and everything uh, that is not related to what they're learning about, um, it just makes it a little more difficult. So uh, yeah, getting back to the question on time commitment, um, consider like each exercise uh, like I said, I write a blog post for every exercise. What effectively is a blog post? Like, let's explain what the what the uh, problem space is um, and the the different solutions um, for this problem space. And like, here's some code examples and you know what you would typically have as a blog post. And then. Um, and like you certainly you have some assumptions on the, their experience and whatnot, but yeah, that's kind of that idea. Um, so then, uh, you have the actual, um, material for the exercises that you have to prepare. And what I do is I have a before version and an after version. Um, and so I will typically create, um, when I'm making a workshop, I'll create the very last step. So like, what does the app look like when we're all done? And then um, I will uh, 
create the first step and what does the workshop look like before we've done any exercises uh, because we typically are going to have like the the boring stuff like bootstrapping the the uh, thing unless you're teaching how to bootstrap a new app um, which uh, is also a perfectly fine option but um, yeah we'll, we'll do the beginning and the end and then um, you kind of work your way um, from one side to the other. I've, I've gone both uh, working my way backwards and making exercises on the way back. Um, and I've also gone the other way, working my way forward. Um, and and I, I can't really recommend one over the other. It, you just kind of kind of got to do it. But um, yeah, so in the Epic Web Workshops, we have a copy of the app um, like for every step of every exercise. And uh, you can take a look at the Epic Web Workshops to see how that's structured. And you could even use the Epic Web um, Workshop app, the K KCD Shop uh, app, if you would uh, like. It's probably not going to be exactly what you need, but um, it, it's pretty sick. Um, so you could take a look at that if you'd like. But um, the idea is that we just have a beginning and an end for every step of the workshop. And then um, what that allows is it makes it so that people going through the workshop never get lost. So they, they never end up in a situation where um, they're like, wait, what did you do? And mine isn't working the way that yours is. And so now I'm stuck and I can't move forward. And so by having every step of the, the, the workshop um, set up, then they can just very easily say, I couldn't figure out the last step, but I'll just move on to the next one and it's fine. Um, I used to do this by using Git branches and I'd say, okay, everybody, we're moving on to the next step. Git, check out this next step. Um, and that works okay, but it's a lot harder to do like big changes later on. So if, if you decide, oh, you know what? I don't like using this class name because it makes things funny. So I'm going to use this other class name. And now you have to check out every single branch and update it in every branch. And it's it's a nightmare. Don't use branches. Um, but uh, yeah, having multiple copies of the same thing um, that you just do a find replace and it works great. Um, and it, it's also just like all laid out for people. It's not hidden in some Git history or Git branch stuff. So um, yeah, this is a long way to answer your question about time commitment, but, uh, yeah, depending on how, um, hardcore you go into it, um, and how much you care about making it like self-paced, um, so that like, it's got the best, uh, opportunity for, uh, retention, um, then it actually can take a lot of time. Um, like I'm for a full day workshop, uh, typically, typ let's assume that I, I know what the end is going to look like. I know what the beginning is going to look like. Um, and I need to, uh, to fill that in with, um, a like four exercise workshop. Um, that's probably going to take me two weeks of like every day working on it. Um, I, uh, I have done gone faster, but that was like, um, the, a week of 12 to 16 hour days, uh, or six days of 12 to 16 hour days. Um, so yeah, it, it is a lot, man. Like, <laughs> so depending on, on how uh, deep you go into that. Um, but the benefit is like, it may not be worth it for this one, uh, workshop experience at, at uh, the conference, but it totally could be worth it for this, uh, um, the fact that you can reuse that material um, in other things. And for me, it's super duper worth it because then I eventually uh, put it on a place like Epic Web Dev and people can go through it um, as a self-paced thing. Um, the and, and so if you're not like uh, planning on turning this into a self-paced course or something like that, then you may feel like, oh, well, I don't need to put that much work into it because I'm not going to be, um, I'm, I'm not planning on making this a self-paced thing. So I can assume that I'm going to be there and I can answer their questions and all that stuff. And that's fine. 
Um, but uh, you'll find that if you don't prepare um, that um, heavily, then um, people in during the workshop, if they're doing exercises, they're going to get lost really easily. Um, and so you really like, I mean, you don't have to write the whole blog post, like you can be the blog post as you introduce the exercise and stuff like that. So if you want to skip on that, that's, that's definitely a thing you can skip on because you're going to be there. Um, and you can uh, just have like notes for yourself of things to go through. Um, but, uh, at least the instructions that you give people, uh, need to be clear. You have to acknowledge the fact that like people will not listen to your instructions. Um, and like, it's just a fact, like they're going to be distracted by one thing or another, and you're going to say something that's like critical for their understanding of the exercise. And then they're not going to listen. And then you're going to be running around the workshop during the exercise, uh, helping people answering questions over and over again. Uh, the, the same question because people just weren't listening. Um, and that's that's just the reality. So uh, it, the, there's a huge benefit to just making it so that people could take the workshop even if you weren't around. Um, and that's how all of my workshops are structured. It takes an, an enormous amount of effort, um, but uh, it definitely is worth it, especially if you plan on giving this workshop multiple times. Okay, so uh, hopefully that answers your question about time commitment. Um, as far as like, uh, having too much or too little content, um, I have always found that it is very difficult for me to have uh, too, uh, too little content. <laughs> like uh, I almost always have too much content. Um, that could just be the way that I, I operate. I just like have so much uh, stuff that I want to teach, but I, I'm guessing you're going to be the same. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about having uh, too little. As long as you have like if you're doing the exercises, if, if you've got uh, at least four primary concepts that you want to teach about, um, then you will probably fill the time no problem. And uh, people aren't typically going to be super upset if you end early, especially if uh, you manage to cover everything that you promised in the uh, material. So uh, like when, when you are selling the tickets and stuff, like wherever that marketing uh, says. So um, yeah, I would recommend against um, listing more than like five or six things on there because um, uh, you you will probably not make it that far. Um, so yeah, maybe like four or five things would probably be more appropriate um, of like the overarching things. Now, uh, you can uh, teach about um, like here, we're going to do uh, the theme cookie uh, or, you know, whatever to um, manage the user's theme or something like that. Um, that's going to teach them about like multiple things in a single exercise. And so like you can definitely list uh, multiple things um, that uh, they're going to learn as part of these exercises. But uh, yeah, primary concepts or whatever, uh, probably keep that down to four. Um, okay. And then yeah, I think that was actually all your questions. So I, I took notes because I knew this was gonna, <laughs> I was going to be talking a lot. And I'd probably forget stuff. But um, yeah, I, I'm thrilled that you are uh, going to be doing this. I think that you're going to do an awesome job. Make sure to bring your whiteboard. Um, I always bring Cody the koala, my little plush stuffed animal. He sits right up in front. Um, and uh, yeah, so bring your whiteboard. Your uh, It's kind of your stick and it's fun. Uh, I think it's great. People like it. Uh, you could turn it into something fun and have them write their name on it or something. Uh, you know, you took pictures with us and stuff. That was fun. Um, but uh, yeah, good luck, Ben. Uh, feel free to, to call back and uh, with any follow-up questions that you have, if I missed anything or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, this can be a really awesome experience. Um, if, if you do it the way that I do it, um, delivering the workshop once will not um, make... Uh, 
will not make sense as far as like the time commitment uh, versus how much money you make out of it probably. Um, but uh, if you give it more than once, then you start to recoup that uh, time and effort uh, a lot. And so I recommend you start reaching out to conferences if you enjoy doing this and you want to do it some more. So um, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's probably the longest episode of the Call Kent podcast ever. So thanks for the question, Ben. Have a good one. This has been the Call Kent podcast. Learn more about Kent at kentcdods.com and get your own questions answered at kentcdods.com slash calls.